Ladies and gentlemen, tonight's performance will include Bob Dylan, The Apocalypse, and tense conversations about the pros and cons of a vintage travel poster. All this and more on a very merry episode of Created Things. Welcome to Created Things, the only podcast that has the courage to ask the question, Mariah Carey's All I Want for Christmas is You, Anthem of the New Evangelization, or Anthem of the Last Judgment? I'm Father Gabriel Tretta, Dominican priest and dude, and with me, of course, is Jacob Flores Popchak, who is a counselor and psychotherapist and artist and things. How are you doing today? Yeah, but not a dude. Let's be very clear. That no, I'm not be very dude. clear about that. I that was an exhaustive list about what I am and what you are. So, um, mm-hmm. yeah, we're done. That's it. Actually, yeah, yeah, exhaustive. All right, cool. Well, good. I'm glad to know the makings of my my uh, ontological basis. Yeah, that was you're the welcome. weirdest yeah. intro. Mariah Carey, new evangelism. I don't even know. Maybe like probably half our listeners know what the new evangelization is. Half oh the, yeah, well, half but our nobody does. Don't. And and I just feel like it's the most annoying buzzword in the world. You mentioned in our podcast last week that like keep Christ in Christmas is yes. your least favorite phrase. My least favorite phrase is new evangelization. Keep Christ in the new evangelization of Christmas. Oh God! Yes, oh, God. we You're really did it. My paint right now. We did it. Everybody did it. No, you know what? So um. Some of our listeners may have noticed um, something that I uh, I prize myself on, and I think you prize yourself on, which is um, uh, being a man of uh, entirely moderate opinions. Um, <laughs> yeah, like I said, so um, uh, audio listeners can't tell that uh, Jacob just nearly had an actual heart attack. Um, I think it's, you know, maybe because of eating burgers or something. I'm not sure. It's definitely had nothing to do with what I just said. Uh, but I'm definitely a man of wholly moderate opinions, and I think you are too. And um, I'm excited because in this episode, we can explore uh, with wholly moderate opinion uh, a question about which people don't have strong feelings, which is the best part. Uh, and that is Christmas music. Or more accurately, holiday music. What do you think? Holiday music. So, I mean, it's such, it is a genre now. I mean, it's a whole genre. Oh, yeah. And I I mean, like, there are radio stations, whole radio stations that, like, come into existence on, like, the day after Thanksgiving and start playing this genre of music and go. And, And I'll be honest, I'm not a huge fan of those stations because they tend to only play the same five very generic Christmas songs. That doesn't mean I'm not a huge fan of Christmas music or holiday music, secular or sacred. I am. I just, unsurprisingly to who I am, I prefer the weirder stuff. So I have my own three-hour playlist of my okay. favorite Christmas music. But if you're just talking about, like, rocking around the Christmas tree, no, I'm not a big fan. If you're talking about Mariah <gasps> Carey, in some senses, not a big fan. But if you're talking about... <gasps> If you're talking about Weezer's Christmas album, where they sing oh, man, there we Latin go. on rock guitar, if you're talking about Bob Dylan's completely gonzo Christmas album, where okay, it's like- Okay, I'm really glad that you already went there, because like I was mentally imagining that like deep into this podcast, I was going to play my trump card, which was going to be the Bob Dylan Christmas album. The Bob uh, Dylan Christmas album is the weirdest thing to ever exist, and I love it. And if you've ever seen his Lynchian- 
Christmas, like the music video he, like the lynching music video he did, where it's like existential Santa, like appearing as people like beat up each other. I, that I love. Um, there's a version of Mariah Carey's All I Want for Christmas is You where a DJ spliced it with um, Welcome to the Black Parade. So, I don't know what that is, but I believe it. Oh, it's like the it's like the anthem of all hot topic kids in their skinny jeans. So oh my gosh, they beautiful. like spliced it in where it's like you you talk about how you know is all I want for Christmas secretly about the end of days. This makes it that where this guy is just like screaming <laughs> about defeating demons over like these back singers going all I want for Christmas. <laughs> that is unironically the second song on my Christmas playlist. So. Well, okay, Christmas hold on. Music? When you yes. say unironically, it is literally the second song on your Christmas playlist. So it is it there for ironic reasons? That's a hard No, question. it's because I love it. I love yeah. I, I genuinely yeah. enjoy listening yeah. to it. And Jingle, I genuinely I feel enjoy like... a lot of Christmas music. I, okay. I genuinely enjoy a lot of Christmas music. But you don't, I don't think. I I don't. So here's the here's the premise. So here's the premise of uh, of our conversation today, um, which is you know maybe not actually that radical, but it's just that I basically hate all of this stuff and think it's garbage. Um, and I I I think that uh, I think that you have an interesting take uh, on things that are maybe not garbage, and uh, and I want to talk about that because <laughs> I do have to say like autobiographically my opinion on this has has dramatically changed you know because okay. um when I was a kid like we would the day after Thanksgiving put up the Christmas tree uh and like my mom would put on like the Amy Grant Christmas album mm-hmm. and or like a series of other um you know maybe like uh um Tony Boomer Bennett or that albums. other yeah, or like, or th- my my parents always turn on the Rosie O'Donnell Christmas album where she does a weirdly oh sexy duet with Elmo. That sounds, mm-hmm. yeah, that actually sounds. That, I feel like we are we are explaining too much about ourselves uh, right now. Yeah, this is this is beautiful. Um, this yeah, is, exactly. this is less a podcast on Christmas music and more just a, fri- a Freudian analysis of us. Yeah, exactly. Like, and therefore that explains my twenties. No, yeah. um, and now I have this fetish. So it's so it's fantastic, but don't worry, I'm very well balanced. Railroad balance as a human being. Um <laughs> my shirt goes all the way to the ground. It's not a dress. Um <laughs> Yeah. So like so and I and I loved this stuff, you know, like I knew yeah, I knew all of this and you know, and I and I loved it and I would always like listen to it, you know, and my eldest brother hated it. And sure, I was like, yeah. You are a you are a Grinch and you are like a bad person and you don't understand how great Christmas is and all of this and like you know like obsessively listen to it all the way until Christmas and then like turn it off on December like the end of December 25th and like never listen to it again until the day after Thanksgiving the next year um since then I have decided uh well it's not a decision like I didn't I didn't just sit down one day and be like I am no longer the kind of person who listens to Christmas music because this is a that is an entirely robotic situation uh it was more just like how do I put it, Jacob? Christmas music and I, we just fell out of love. Okay, we just <laughs> fell out of love. Like okay? the little boy from the terrifying Polar Express, Christmas just never worked out for you. <laughs> oh no, that sounds terrible. It it really always when when that character says that line, it always draws to mind like was his mother murdered on Christmas? <laughs> like he comes downstairs and like. His mother's body Blood is everywhere. under the tree. There's a there's a bow nailed through her head. Her dad's like, just like, "Merry Christmas, son." Huh. 
Christmas just never worked out just, for me. Just never worked just out. Just never for worked me. out for me. So yeah, was that so? Was that kind of thing more or less your experience of Christmas music as a kid? Um, yeah, I mean, I loved it, and I still loved it. It's it's weirdly and uncharacteristically one of those things that my relationship with didn't change. I mean, some of the songs I liked obviously changed. I'm not listening to Rosie Croon to Elmo anymore. Oh but, man, that's sad. But I still, I still love. And again, I feel like we have to define what we mean by Christmas music because if you mean flipping on Wish ninety nine point seven and listening to Rockin' Around the Christmas Tree, followed by Jingle Bell Rock, followed by It's Beginning to Look to Look Like Christmas, Rinse Repeat, then I'm totally with you. That's obnoxious. And if you're talking about the obligatory, like, Christmas music where the same three words, like cheer and year, are are put together, sort of the same way that modern stadium country music is written, then I right, also right. disagree with you there. But if you're just blanket stating that, like, all music about or for the season of Christmas is annoying that's just such a generalization because there's some awesome cool shit out there jacob i wish okay listen i wish i honestly wish i could say that i could affirm that statement but i'm afraid i can't because i don't i don't actually <clears throat> i don't actually mean it that strongly <clears throat> i uh i have getting yeah. choked up you mean it so strongly i am i'm getting really choked I hate up christmas music um, so much you're, I just, you're going I just in anaphylaxis so it is true to the priory where i live um we have a cook um uh, and um, she uh, turns on the Chicago equivalent of uh, Wish jamming mm. with the jamming with the Christmas tunes, um, uh, and just leaves it on, and uh, it has driven me out of meals um, because <laughs> I I just I just when I hear it I just go blind with I just can't I just can't control myself I just go you, blind with rage you it's put like, on I, your top hat you get your cane and you stomp home and I stomp right out and the Grinch's heart shrinks six sizes that day and you know what that makes more room for in my heart in my chest water which I think is good <laughs> what I don't that's know not you the get binary that's not it's, the dichotomy Christmas isn't music it, or water isn't or water no maybe it's not but anyway i um so so uh part of the initial inspiration for wanting to talk about this um is this insane visceral feeling of like i hate you and i wish you i wish i had died before i heard this or more importantly i wish you had died before you inflicted yourself on me which is my totally balanced completely reasonable not at all irrational response to christmas music at this present moment um <laughs> of the kind that you're talking about where it's like santa play play you know and these kinds of things um which are just um some kind of an abomination um mm -hmm. uh and the but the fact that they're so popular the fact that you can have a whole um you can have a whole channel in every city uh that is just dedicated to these things multiple the fact that, like multiple, uh, multiple in fact the fact that like any store that you go into back when like hey you remember when people went, used to go into stores i mean i don't really Dude. but like well i mean you don't probably go into stores but honestly post covid the stores are full man People oh, are, are they like, really? excited to be back in malls. Like, bro, I live in Chicago. Kooky. There is no such thing as post-COVID in Chicago. That's, it's, that's We are living it. We are living the dream. That's so, I lived in Ohio, and then I lived in Florida, which are just oh. two Republican playgrounds. So, yeah. Yeah, here, yeah. You, you have been post-COVID since, like, malls. April 2020. <laughs> yeah. We didn't have a 2020 in Ohio or, <laughs> in, uh, or Florida. We just Fair went point. straight night, uh, 2019 to 2022. 
Everything's great. You yeah. know what's great? Everything's great. Yeah. We just live in the dream. Yeah. Well, that's right. Yeah. So in Chicago, we're living a different dream. It's amazing. Nobody goes into stores. It's incredible. Um, okay. Yeah. That's amazing. But, but you know, just like this is a weird cultural phenomenon that like, again, like the day after Thanksgiving or whatever, that you just, any store that you go into will just turn on, you know, again, I mean, it's, partly it's that, it's that jam of like 50s and 60s tunes that you're talking about, you know, rocking around the Christmas tree or whatever. Um, but then there's always this fresh uh, well, there's a mix of like stuff from the '90s, um, mm-hmm. uh, and then and then like a confusing mix of new things that are also the exact same. Um, the general tenor of which is like, "Hey, baby, I would like to do you on Christmas." I think. <laughs> I mean, that's as far as I can tell. There are. I read a post the day that that was there. Are, there are four types of Christmas music. I'm trying to remember. It said, "Type one, Jesus is so God." Uh, <laughs> Type two, I want to do you on Christmas. <laughs> Type three, um, Santa is definitely coming. And then what was, what was type four? Oh, just like snow is great. Like, snow is great. Like those... I do. I confess. I, I do actually have a soft spot for the, for the snow is great kind. Uh, do you? Not the. Not that I like the musically, you know, like the uh, like Winter Wonderland or whatever these kinds of. I mean, just that's just taste wise isn't exactly my my jam, you know. Um, but I uh, I legitimately love this kind of just like you know what's great winter is great you know what's like really fun like being cold when you're gonna like be warm later and like these <laughs> kinds of things, you know like ja- so. Uh, Gentle listener, I have spent much more of my life reading uh, medieval and early modern Japanese poetry than the ordinary person. Which and might explain in... why you're fundamentally broken as a person. Uh, yes. Also, I'm going to blame it on the Amy Grant Christmas album. Um, but I think the two of them, <laughs> the two of them was an infelicitous combination. Um, I Medieval and early modern Japanese poetry is just a lot about... Um, the seasons, how great fall is. Um, the uh, uh, just like nature sounds, you know. Um, uh, like uh, oh yeah. So there's this like nice po. There's this famous um. Can I remember the whole thing? I think so. There's this famous haiku um, uh, that goes, "Furukiya kawazu tobikomu mizu no oto." That's it. Yeah. Um, so it's uh, all it is is so Furikia is uh, the old pond exclamation point. A frog jumps in, the sound of the water. I really want this to be like the lyrics to one of the theme songs that my wife uh, and the animes that my wife likes to watch. It's like the frog jumps in the water. And now it's the springtime to do. <laughs> I think it's the fall, actually, because like this—that's that's another thing about Japanese Japanese nature poetry—is that like every word is encoded with a whole bunch of meaning. So I think the word for frog they use kawazu. I think that's a frog that's associated with the fall, but I forget. Maybe it's the spring. Um, anyway, it's always hard to remember. Uh, but see, I love that. I love that stuff, actually. Where you're just like unabashedly in love with like how beautiful and how crazy and how like totally uneventful nature is that is really cool and there is this funny thing in at least american musical culture um and and poetry of course like insofar as people still write write and po- read poetry um we can't just celebrate that you know you can, like nobody's gonna write like a pop song about about like 
you know what's amazing? Fall is amazing. I don't know. I mean, musically, you're right. Culturally, maybe not so much. I mean, you know, everyone freaks out about pumpkin spice latte season and fall outfits and everything else like that. So I do think right. there's a, there is yeah. totally devoid of Halloween or Thanksgiving or any of the fall holidays. There is a, a excitement and enthusiasm that builds um, and reaches its apex around like early September. Um, and then I think similarly for spring a little bit, not as, not quite as much because there aren't flavors associated with it, but I mean, you know, sweater, weather, pumpkin spice, right. latte season. Right. So there's right. some of that right. cultural appreciation yeah. that's still there. I think that's right. Like we recognize that seasons exist and then depending where you live, people will be more or less excited about it, you know, and these mm -hmm. kinds of things. Um, but, you know, but we don't, we're not going to sing it. We're not going to sing a song about it. It's no. not going to become a big deal. Like the closest thing that you're going to get to is something like um, that song, which I will not sing, Friday, exclamation point, Friday, um, which is about Friday. Morning? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Gotta be fresh, gotta go downstairs? Uh, no. Gotta have yes. my bowl, gotta have cereal? <laughs> gotta have my bowl, gotta have cereal. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that's perhaps, that's the one I mean. Yeah, exactly. Like, that's all you're gonna get. Um, anyway, but this brings us far afield. So, but point is, like, I am willing to countenance uh, and am actually willing to celebrate, like, hey guys, snow is amazing as a kind of, like, subgenre of um of, of christmas songs because just because like uh uh love affair with 17th century japanese poetry means i will tolerate any amount of nonsense as long as it's about nature um okay that's good so, to know for the future okay, so hippie we, episodes but you yeah don't, exactly but you can't break for jesus is so god santa is coming tonight or or i'm gonna do you tonight i want to do you on christmas yeah. i want to do you tonight comma in so far as it's Christmas, right? Exactly. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Although the that one does remind me that uh, um, the last time I was paying really close attention to contemporary Japanese culture, which would be like the mid two thousands, um, I it was a common like the common cultural association with Christmas was that this was the day that you got a hotel and like had sex with your girlfriend. Hmm. In a hotel, specifically, like, um, uh, so those songs do did seem like they had like a natural <laughs> home to land in. It's just that they were in different worlds. Like one of them was in Japan, and one of them was in America, and they just didn't. They never met, you know, which is very sad. Two two great things that would go great together. But okay, uh, but, but who but, knew? You but know, you're right. Most people like the Christmas music, so the onus of proof then is on you to prove why you don't like it or why we shouldn't because i mean i can defend why i like it and i can do my whole bullshit like where i come in and i explain why it's deep and mystical and why it's actually important and i probably will do that um <laughs> this will probably happen let's just because be that's okay just who it. i am if i know myself <laughs> right. you know christian know thyself i will probably have a, a little bit of a socially appropriate rant where i talk about how christmas music is actually great before we're done with this but i i actually don't know why you dislike it what changed? Like, what changed from when you were a little kid? What was the catalyst for this? Well, see, that's the thing. There isn't a. There certainly isn't a single catalyst. I think it was a, a whole shifting in experience. Uh, yeah, I think it was a whole shifting in experience about, um, what Christmas is like. Coming to appreciate that, um, like Advent is a thing. Oh um, God, are you an Advent Nazi? I I definitely passed through a period where I was, um, I was like an Advent Nazi. It was like, we're not going to do anything until like Christmas. And then like starting on Christmas, we're going to do this and that. Um, 
I don't. Oh my god! I had a crush on a girl once who had a, who was an Advent Nazi, and I will fully admit that realizing that she was an Advent Nazi was one of the major things to help me recover from that crush. That's amazing. I respect that entirely. I, I actually am broke not... up with a girl. Side note, because she said she would never let her kids believe in Santa, and I there ended you go. the relationship. You said then. that's it, lady. <laughs> I was like, I'm not. That's it. Doing this, you're awful. That's. The f- the fact that you're 20 years older than me means nothing. No, I made that up. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, um, yeah, I definitely passed through that phase, which I think is, I mean, it's understandable. Like having come from that experience, and then like getting really into my faith, and like really kind of discovering Advent as a season, which I just didn't really know anything about, you know. And then like being a religious and discovering that like I uh, the natural rhythms of religious life actually does make it so that the the weight of the experience is on uh that like you feel culturally and experientially uh the the weeks leading into christmas you actually feel them as a time of like penitential preparation um that has a, a musical tradition of its own but it's like chants and these kinds of things you know um uh from, from the religious experience you know from the religious perspective um uh and then like again just like existentially there's this huge weight of these um incredibly beautiful um like popular songs and hymns and pilgrimage songs and folk songs and things um that are uh how people would celebrate you know christmas so like from December 25th into like February, you know? Um, well, I will say, let they, me interrupt you there because I will say like half my personal Christmas playlist is like folk songs and folk carols from a, a long time ago. So whether we're talking about, um, you know, Huron Carol or whether we're oh, talking yeah. about, um, what's the one? Uh, they just, A24 just did a very spooky indie movie based on, um, like Arthurian legend, they did it on Gwen and the Green Knight. Oh yeah, um, yeah, yeah. And they, it's all Gwen the Green Knight's all set on Christmas. And oh, so I didn't know that. Yeah, because because the the spirit of the forest comes to challenge them on Christmas Day. Okay. And so it's beautiful, fantastic movie, very weird and creepy and existential and art filmy. But their whole soundtrack is like creepy renditions of French medieval Christmas carols. Oh my gosh, so, I would be so into that. So I would, that's okay. on my playlist okay. for sure, where this girl oh, just like with Tinkly Bells, just like, Chante Père Noël, Chante Père Noël. And I'm just like, oh, yeah. all right, this is my Christmas jam. So so yes, I start off with the Weezer, but very quickly it pivots into medieval creep Christmas, which is my favorite kind of Christmas. But I consider that Christmas That's a music. jam. So sure. are you just saying you don't like Christmas pop? Is that all you're saying? Yeah, let's be oh. real. I'm not. I'm not. I am not delivering like a major truth bomb here. I don't like Christmas pop, and I assumed. I'm going to be honest here. I assumed that you would like it. I mean, I like some of it. I like that it exists. There's a difference between appreciating something and personally enjoying something. I really Fair. like. I really like that pop Christmas music exists. I really resent anyone who doesn't want it to exist. Mm, see, I don't want it to exist, but at I, all, I don't actually. personally enjoy listening to it. Why don't you want it to exist? That's that's what you have to break down for me, because that's the cornerstone of this conversation. We agree that carols are fun, like from the old times, you know, with an E on the end of old and a Y in the middle of times. We we agree that uh, 
churchy music is fun. You, we, we disagree that the pop stuff has a place, even if you don't like it. So, so that you have to justify. Yeah, that I definitely do have to justify. And that I feel like I can justify with, um, with another quote I, about Nazis from written by an insane person. Yay! No, it's a, it's a poem by one of my favorite poets, um, Philip Larkin. Um, he is a, do you know him at all, Jacob, Philip Larkin? I vaguely know the name and maybe it'll come back to me, but I, 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 I have, I have probably made you, I have probably read poems of his to you before because I adore him and well, he is you know, like well, oh, universally right. applicable. We were, when we were sitting by the fire and I was stroking the harp, you did. And I was reading that. poems. Yeah. yeah exactly. Screen, you were reading poems to me. Yeah. I remember yeah. that now. Yeah, exactly. So, uh, so he Speaking of which, is... side note, in a few minutes, yeah. can we talk about the new um, gay Santa commercial out of Norway? Speaking of laying on rugs and playing arse <laughs> for each other. Because that deserves okay. a whole episode in its own. Can okay. we just talk we about that should, well? We should probably do that. That sounds important. <laughs> uh, so, so Philip Larkin is great because he was this super depressive, um, uh, sort of lecherous uh, librarian. Um who uh who just wrote like many of the best poems in the 20th century um he's absolutely amazing um so he has a poem called sunny prestatin it's got bad words in it so you might a couple times have to cover up your ears okay come to sunny prestatin laughed the girl on the poster kneeling up on the sand in tautened white satin Behind her, a hunk of coast, a hotel with palms, seemed to expand from her thighs and spread breast-lifting arms. She was slapped up one day in March. A couple of weeks and her face was snaggle-toothed and boss-eyed. Huge tits and a fissured crotch were scored well in, and the place between her legs held scrawls that set her fairly aside, that set her fairly astride a tuberous cock and balls. Autographed, Titch Thomas, while somebody had used a knife or something to stab right through the mustache lips of her smile. She was too good for this life. Very soon, a great transverse tear left only a hand and some blue. Now, fight cancer is there. Wow. Okay, that is my thesis for why uh, Christmas pop music is uh, actually bad that it exists. Okay, because yeah. as I was, okay, I don't, I think I know what you're saying, but I don't want to be sure. <laughs> I refuse to elaborate. Well, no, I have what, I, my what, I, what, I th- what I think you're saying, <laughs> what I think you're saying is, so, you know, we put up this poster of this beautiful woman and then we deface her and you feel like to some degree pop music is, is defacing the beautiful woman of Christmas. Is that what you're saying? Uh, no, one one step further removed. That, uh, and this is one thing why I love Philip Larkin is because he just he just won't let you get away from it. Uh, you know, come to Sonny Prestatin is itself already this tawdry, cheap, uh, commercial billboardy garbage. It's already nothing to be excited about. Uh, it's already just like a cheap billboard uh, of a girl in a bikini, um, sort of like lifting up her arms so that you see that she's got a rack, you know. Um, it's, this is already nothing really uh, very refined, you know. Uh, but that uh, gets rent and destroyed and defaced and ruined. Uh, and in its rack and ruin, it seems in its small vestiges uh at least it had a vestige of beauty in it 
and in its when it's all torn away, you know, there's this like hand and a and a, a glimpse of a blue sky that was like a promise of oh, there might have actually been something beautiful there, and that's all we're left with. And then in the end, it's just like fright cancer, some sort of generic message that doesn't mean anything to anybody. Sure. And I feel like this is this is like the Christmas pop music situation where like when uh when you first get the transition from like legitimate folk music things that like people sing to each other and sing to themselves um uh sing because they're beautiful and because they love it um when you first get that transition from that to um professionalized music that I turn on and I listen to and I listen to other people sing and that makes me feel like I'm having a nice time uh, but I can't sing it and I won't sing it and I don't know the words and I'm just listening to a professional do it for me um, because I have abnegated my rights as a human being to like make my own beauty um, like when we made that transition and, and I don't know historically when that would be the 40s the 50s um, I feel like that's putting up welcome to like, come to Sonny Prestonton it's already a simulacrum of a, of real beauty. It's already a simulacrum of something that's really splendid and worth celebrating. Um, and there's not much to it. It's already pretty tawdry. It's already like manipulative and all the rest. Um, but then I just feel like what's what what becomes like Christmas pop music over the course of like um, from that period until now is just that like. Um, scrawls and graffiti and mustachioed lips and a knife and a knife across the face and uh and things being torn and what you're left with is like a glimpse of a hand that suggested pointing that it could maybe point to something else and that's like i feel like where we are again my criticism of this and and i'm going to be referencing a lot the the episode on kitsch that we just did but my my response to that is is kind of twofold. One, that's that's a an opinion. And I'm not saying it's an invalid opinion, but it is an opinion based entirely in in your own personal experience. Because I I have rich experience of people sitting around and singing those songs. You know, I mean, I I do to each other, right? You know that that's that's a part of my my life growing up, and not just in my family, but it you know the friends I had, you know, my, someone would go jump on the piano and, you know, sing, uh, the Christmas song or sing, you know, it's beginning to look a lot like Christmas or, or any of those kind of more great American songbooky type ones. I mean, yes, you're right. Probably no one's sitting around singing, rocking around the Christmas tree, but maybe someone is, you know? So I, I think that that's too experiential a point to necessarily be applicable to this conversation. Maybe. Uh, because, you know, any other experience could invalidate it. And then the bigger point that I have, though, is I just think it's stupid to think that that's just not what human beings do with beauty. I think uh, I think sure. I think human beings just do that with beautiful stuff, you know, and 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 so we've had kind of conversations right in a row where first we talked about relics a couple weeks ago Um and I, you know, I took the posture that I was sort of uncomfortable with relics and you, you defended them. And then we moved into Christmas kitsch and now we're talking about Christmas music. And I think they're a similar thing because, you know, without making anyone go back and listen to any previous episodes, my big discomfort with relics was you've got this sacred body. Why are you dividing it up? 
and spreading it all over the place and sending, you know, the hand of this saint to Poland and the heart of this saint to Italy, et cetera, and so forth. And your response to me at that point was that, that my approach was a very modernist one that, that if a sacred thing is sacred, it should be left entirely intact, but that the natural human inclination for most of human history is to break that thing up and spread it around as much as possible. And I, I think you're right about that. You convinced me on relics, but I think that logic applies to Christmas too. We see the beauty of it and we want to break it up into as many subcomponents as we can and, and send it all over the world. And yeah, sometimes you end up with just a fingernail of Christmas sitting in your church. Um, but, but God damn it, that's a, that's a fingernail of Christmas and we deserve to be able to appreciate that. And, you know, I talk to a lot of people who hate different Christmas songs or, you know, are Advent Nazis where, you know, God forbid we, you know, admit that Jesus is going to be born before the end of Advent because we're all living in this weird, you know, pretend deniability where we're like, oh, Jesus hasn't been born yet. Like we're idiots. And, and, you know, and I just never get it because what it ultimately comes down to is this very sort of miserly, and I'm not trying to pick on you for this, but I just think, what I broadly observe is this, this is miserly approach to beauty where it has to be kept exactly as it is and no one can do anything with it. And it has to be kind of put behind a glass case in the kitchen. And I mean, it, it really is treated like the fine China where it's like, maybe we take it out once a year and probably we don't even do that because it's too beautiful to use. And I would rather take it out and let my kids get their smudgy fingers on it because at least that's a legit appreciation of the beauty, even if it damages it slightly. And especially at Christmas, I will say this is true because the point I made in, in Christmas Kitsch is that um, sort of the commercializing of Christmas, the making it plastic, the making it tangible and all those things is actually, I would argue, the true spirit of Christmas because it's the divine coming into the physical, into the dirty, into the low brow and, and exalting it. And that's precisely what we're doing with Christmas goods. And I think, I think Christmas music is kind of the same way um, where, frankly, my biggest problem and this is my hot take, my biggest problem with Christmas music is that there isn't the same level of celebration for every holy day. Hmm. I, I'm mad that there aren't Easter stations like that. I'm mad that, that there aren't St. John's Day celebrations like that or All Hallows celebrations like that, right? I don't have a problem with a thousand Christmas trees in a mall or all I want for Christmas is you blasting. I have a problem that, that there's a mysterious absence of that the rest of the time, because I believe God became man. Call me crazy. I believe God became man. And I think the, the shockwave of that stone hitting the, you know, the, the pond of human existence would send such ripples across time and space that culturally we shouldn't ever recover from it. And we should constantly be singing about the incarnation. And so I think Christmas is the only damn time that makes sense. Yeah, I would be with you if we were singing about the incarnation. And again, here, my criticisms are specifically to this kind of like Christmas pop music, the sure. stuff that's going to play on, on, a, on, you know, Christmas radio stations. Um, because I, I agree with you on your, the first thing you said, which is that this is just what human beings do with beauty. That's Larkin's whole point actually, is that like, uh, we have, we find these like fragments of beauty that are already, you know, uh, it's already 
commercialized. It's already exploited. It's already manipulative and all this kind of stuff. So it's already not like some some great holy thing. It's, but you can just say, okay, there's something there. Uh, but even that, uh, there's this natural tendency, if it's unchecked, uh, to deface, tear down, destroy, shred, ruin, uh, but, but the make to be about I'm something making, else. But the argument I'm making is like relics, because that was my point. We're making the reverse points now. With relics, my point was by ripping apart this saint's body, not to be crass, but by ripping right, apart right. the saint's body and sending its parts to you know the four corners of God's green earth, you are defacing it. And your point was, no, you're not. You're spreading the good around. And so what I'm saying to you is, why is ripping apart something beautiful different? Because, so that's, so exactly, that's the question is like, um, is there a kind of splitting uh, that doesn't change the nature of the thing. And that's the argument I'm making, I was making with, um, with relics is that like, yeah, this is a kind of splitting that doesn't change the nature of the thing. Like you don't have less of the saint when the saint is in two places, um, mm -hmm. or in two pieces, you know, um, I, that like, of course the strongest case for this is like, uh, cause in a certain quantitative sense you have less because there's whatever, uh, the strongest specific case for this is like with the Eucharist where, um, I the sort of super fascinating I uh, uh, particular belief about the Eucharist is that you know you I uh, if you have a, a gigantic um, we call it a ciborium you know a container for the Eucharist uh, like like a really really big one for one of these mega masses with like a hundred thousand people uh, or you have like a teeny little bit of a host that you've broken off to give somebody who has like a problem swallowing uh, there is neither more nor less in either situation right it's just there's that that the breaking this the, the spreading uh augmentation or diminution of physical quantity does not change the nature or the or the presence or the quantity at all right so that's like the strongest case um but uh but so the case that i'm making here with the um with what we see and i think the reason i actually have like real concerns about like Christmas pop music is I think that this is a breaking and a fragmentation that actually has changed the nature of the thing that is no longer about um, Christmas. It is no longer, in fact, incarnational or about God at all. Right. And not not even in a dim way where it could be kind of pointed to it. So, um, again, like from from my take here, um, something like. Uh, and I'm not proposing these as good. I'm just proposing them as like an intermediary stage. Something like, um, you know, uh, a rocking around the Christmas tree or like a, whatever the like Nat King Cole kind of stuff or whatever the crooners, these kinds of things. Um, this is already like putting like a billboard sunny, Pre like come to sunny Preston. There's nothing particularly to get excited about, but at least it points in a certain direction. Um, it, it is, a, it is some kind of visual, visual conceptual reminder, um, that although commercialized and cheapened and sort of removed, moved into its own sphere, I could see this argument that like, well, it's still, it's still a kind of a sign, a kind of a pointer towards the incarnation, because it seems to have still some kind of a basis in, in Christmas in some kind of a way in the actual incarnation. Um, but by the time that you get to like, all I want for Christmas is you or like Santa baby or these kinds of things, um, we have lost that. Like that is gone. The actual principle and nature of the thing has changed. Um, to where it's not actually a fragment of Christmas anymore. How has it changed? Like break that down. Sure. So, um, I, what that has changed it into is it's actually, um, it's to, to a certain extent, you could say it's undoing, uh, what Christians did 
in um I uh, um the fourth century, you know. So in the fourth century, uh Christians um I uh, took over um the day that had been made by Emperor Aurelian in 274 as the festival of the sun god. Um uh so this so December 25th from 274 onwards uh, is officially for the Roman Empire um the festival it's the the day of the birth of the sun the god of the sun um and uh and then in the 4th century uh Christians take that uh and they make that uh they appropriate it uh shift the principle in fact break it uh and turn it into something new uh which is that they exploit what is a, a certain kind of commonality point uh and then they shift it entirely to be about jesus christ so this is now the day that you celebrate um jesus christ and, no, and nobody remembers that it was the day of the birth of the son um and uh and now i feel like this is the opposite thing that has happened basically is that we've broken again the relationship with uh the actual incarnation of jesus christ and kept the only point of contact being basically december 25th um uh and that this we are just no longer talking about the day of the birth of the of of the son of god uh we are just talking about something that happens in midwinter which is that it's cold and like you get together with your baby and then like, but then people give gifts. And so like we, and, and this is kind of cultural mythos about Santa. And so you think about like you, this, you know, a great combination of both like the sexy ones and then the Santa ones, of course, it's like Santa baby. So it's like, I'm going to have sex with Santa on Christmas. Yay. You know, <laughs> uh, it was just, you know, we're not, we are no longer talking about the same thing. Mm -hmm. But does, does the hand still point to the hotel? Does the hand still point to the beach? Does the, does the leftover? I mean, and I would argue or, that culturally, or are we at or are we at fight cancer? Like that's the stage. So like the end stage, the the stage where everything is destroyed. Is well, that, see, I uh, think fight even cancer, the sign is signified. So what by I, fight I think fight cancer is just getting rid of all this entirely. Like, exactly. That's East, what I mean. But, that's what but I mean. Easter's at Easter's at fight cancer. Oh yeah! Oh, for sure! Yeah, like Google doesn't put Easter up on their on their hol on right. their holiday things. Easter is at fight cancer. You're totally right. Saint You're John's totally right. Day is at fight cancer. Yeah, 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 right? yeah. Halloween's yeah. a hell of a lot closer to fight cancer than Christmas is. I think the fact that there is this cultural, hey, isn't it great that we can all wear red flannel at midwinter and maybe there's a reindeer nearby? I think it's the last freaking holdout we have, man. I really do. Mm. Like, I I can't tell you how much I feel like in, in holiday world, Christmas music is the Alamo. You know what I mean? Like it's our last <laughs> fort. It's our last <laughs> fort before everyone just forgets this stuff entirely. And, and mm. I think Christians are walking around trying to commit suicide where they're saying, we need to get rid of this. This isn't about Jesus enough. It's like, well, we did that with Easter and no one even remembers Easter's a thing now. So at least with Christmas, when someone's saying about wanting to have sex with Santa on Christmas Day, at least there's a hand on that poster pointing back to the existence of something. It's not like the totally atheistic person watching the Hallmark movie or listening to All I Want for Christmas is You is is unaware that this is a Christian feast about the birth of Jesus. They might not really understand who Jesus is or anything about that, but they at least know where it's sort of coming from. If we betray this, if we continue to fight this, 
we're just putting the bullet in the mouth of the last bastion of Christian culture. And I know that's like a super intense opinion to have, but I can't tell you how strongly I feel that way. Sure. I mean, I, I really take that point like that. Um, cause I guess that is the question. And I think it's, that's well, cons- well thought is, um, again, in this, in this Larkin thing, that's the, that's the critical question is, are we still at like, there's this shred of a hand and a blue sky and if you just see it, you could never reconstruct what was there. But there is a hand pointing to a blue sky. And there is at least a shred of hope there, basically. There's something that points to something. Again, not enough. The, 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 um, the value of it has been stripped down so far that you could never reconstruct it. So it's not enough. It's not enough to to bring you to Sonny Prestiton, um, mm. but it is at least something. Um, and I and I think you're probably right that that's where we are with this kind of stuff. That it is um, that there it, it, there is at least it is at least a shred of a hand against a blue sky. There's so little there that nobody would ever be able to tell where it's pointing. Um, but at least it is something. And I think you're right to caution about that. That like. Um, that you're right, like with every, like with with you know, particularly like Easter. Oh my gosh, yeah, it is fully just like fight cancer. We just pretend it was never there. It's all gone. Yeah, you know. Yeah. Um, but I I do think you're right. So like, let me so let me take that then and qual and 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 um, qualify that that um, maybe actually that's part of the ground for why people will will when you when you have um, Christians who out of a conviction of their Christianity rather than just for taste or whatever, for some in some way, ways or another, um, have a strong visceral reaction against um, the kind of Christmas pop music and its ubiquity. Um, perhaps, I mean, it's helpful, it's helpful for me to think about now that you're proposing it this way, um, that what you're seeing is both the presence and the absence. Like you're looking at the hand with the blue sky and I think it is legitimate and appropriate to be angry and hurt and frustrated um, that even the even the even enough of the beauty to know that there was something there is kind of gone, but there is still a hand. There is still a sign that so basically to appreciate both, like both the privation, what's been stripped away, um, but then also. Uh, and I think you have a good point here to recognize that there is still some kind of a sign pointing. And as Christians, like we do actually have to be great, grateful for that. Um, even recognizing its limitation, you know, so like, I'm not going to sing the praises of it, uh, but recognize at least there's a hand pointing, which we don't have elsewhere. And I think that's helpful. I guess, I guess the question then becomes, what do we do with it? Because the people I'm, I'm Mm. critically referring to as Advent Nazis are the kind of people who just want to tear off that piece of paper with the right. hands on okay. it. Mm-hmm. And, there, and, and I'm, you know, I think I've even mentioned him on the podcast before, but there was this feller who used to be on EWTN. Um, he did a, a kid's show called The Donut Repair Shop. Okay. And he, yes. you know, wore sort of the 90s kid show coveralls, and he had this little puppet donut where it's the hole was its mouth, and it came up through a donut box. It was named Duncan. And... They would travel the country in their van, finding donuts and putting the donut hole back in the center of the donut. Because life without Jesus is like a donut because there's a hole in the middle of your heart. Oh, my gosh. 
I just had a little thing. Yeah. I just had a little thing. Yeah. Hold on, I'm choked. <laughs> there it is. There it is. Okay. And it turns out that you solve the problem not by going to church, but by going to Dunkin' Donuts and getting a hole. There you go. Getting a hole. <laughs> solve the problem. So, so that's my response to that sign is to say, sure. yeah, let's just find the other pieces of the poster that were ripped down and put them back up because we still have this hand. This hand is great. This hand is still part of this awesome poster. And then we can put that poster back up if we if we work together to find the pieces. And then maybe, hell, we can even go to Presterton or whatever, whatever you're, I don't remember the name of the place. But but we, we can even go to that beach. That'd be awesome, right? Because I think you can build backwards and it doesn't have to be, you know, I'm going to replace this sign with a different one that's more explicitly about the beach, right? It doesn't have the sexy lady in Right more. Now it's just right. a, a sign about the beach and, and because it's, it's only the beach that matters. No, it, it, we can build back. We can build back. But if we can Build back to, better, Jacob. Build back better. Just say it. Just say it. Build back, you know you but, want to say it. No, we can, build, we can build back better, gosh darn it. And I think, you know... I don't know. I just don't get this suicidal tendency that Christians have. It's crazy to me. It's it's this, you know, Freud would call it Thanatos, right? Where it's like, you know, Eros is is the love drive, the thing that pushes us forward. And yet we have this Thanatos thing that constantly wants to lead us to our own annihilation. And Christian Thanatos is so intense to me. Like, this is our holiday. You think Jewish people would be complaining if everyone took off for Passover and were playing music about Passover. Even, even if they were associating like, and Jerry the snake is going to come to your house for Passover and bring you delicious, you know, whatevers. I don't know. Uh, you, you think Muslims would be complaining about, you know, Ramadan being celebrated on this vast culture? Of course they wouldn't. But we've got to come in and be like, no, it's not exactly the way we'd like it to be. So rather than fulfill it, rather than find a donut hole and place it back in the celebration and enjoy all of it together, we want to like throw the donut in the fire. And, and that's just gross to me. That mm. seems really pharisaical to me in the truest possible sense. Well, there definitely is a, there's a big cultural, I mean, there's just in all of Christian history, we see this a big temptation for, um, uh, like absolute purity, you know, like a small church of absolute purity, mm. you know, um, where like uh, the hoi polloi, like the unwashed masses are not going to be welcome. And this is just for like the absolute, the people who can be absolutely pure in every possible respect, you know? Mm -hmm. uh, so I, so I respect that. And I respect like the, the desire at all times to be vigilant against that, um, to recognize that that is not the way in which I, uh, our life is given to us with Jesus Christ that he does not propose uh, that we will live this like life of like absolutely perfect purity with just the, the small group of our absolutely perfectly pure well, friends. And I, I would go as far as to say he doesn't even suggest that that kind of purity would be perfect. I think he no, in fact, yeah, that right. that it's, kind it's not, of purity it's just, would actually be awful. It's just not actually proposed as reality. And so it has to be bad because it's not reality. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. So, and I think that's right. Um, but uh, I, yeah, so I guess the question is then what do you do? I mean, uh, so one response is that um you know, you get uh you get your like six uh evangelical bandmate friends together and 
you're gonna just do throaty versions of like you know uh like 12 tried and true christmas things um this christian band that i was super into in high school and i actually still secretly Ugh. really like see that's gonna be an episode because i i don't think there's anything justifiable Bro. christian music we should oh we should oh yes we do have to do a whole thing on this so i'm not going to get any more any more into this but i legitimately like the band jars of clay they are awesome i've I seen saw them, them in concert. concert once i did see them in concert yeah, yeah yeah look at this they're they are actually really great and i love them because um, they did the i found out about them because they did the theme song to an mtv reality show called god or the really? girl did you ever hear oh, the show no. yeah I'm, I'm all too aware of that show yeah, yeah. Oh, what a so disaster. they did the theme song yeah. to god or the girl where well four see, men I'm were glad followed a- trying to decide if they would stay with their fiancés or become priests yeah who could have seen this coming turns yeah. out everyone got married in that show who no, could have seen that no coming? don't worry there was the one autistic guy who became a priest Oh, that's nice. Isn't that charming? So Jars of Clay went down in the world. That's good. Good to know. But, uh, uh, you know, like they they did this. They have a Christmas album, unless I'm confusing with somebody else, but where it's just like a bunch of throaty emotional singing. God rest you, merry gentlemen. So you know they're hip and cool because it's throaty singing, but you know they're Christians, so it's just like... Right. Hozier did the sexiest version of God rest you, merry gentlemen, you'll ever hear. Hozier? What's Hozier? Ho- Hozier, the the Irish singer, not a Christian singer at all, but he like is in the whole non-Christian thing. He's very famous for a song like "Take Me to Church." Okay, or any of those? He's very very sexy Irish okay. singer, and he did he did the sexiest version. Like <laughs> turns amazing. me turns me gay. This version of "God Rest He Merry Gentlemen." <laughs> That's amazing. how sexy this version is. So I know what you mean when you talk about. You know, throaty, raspy Christmas sexy singing. It's just it's just how it goes. So that's one option. You do that. Um the like absolutely most postmodern option is that your name is Bob Dylan and you re- you release a Christmas al- Christmas album uh that features the most postmodern David Lynch uh Christmas video ever made uh for the song Must be Santa, must be Santa. Um, etc. Also, what so, totally mispronounced uh, Adeste Fidelis on that album. Oh, I love it so it's bad. Beautiful. Like, I physically cannot make it through the song because it's so awful, but it is, there's just something really glorious about it. Um, so, so you can do that. Um, I don't know where else we go with this, you know? Well, like, I think part of it in a capitalistic society is supporting those places that are still doing it. Right. So like, for instance, this weekend, my wife and I are going to go to Epcot, which is, you know, one of the Disney parks and they have a bunch of Christmas things, um, all of which are pretty religious and they, um, but they're mixed with the poppy. And I think the, the most ideal way. So one of those things is they have, is Epcot sort of made up of these, uh, facades they call pavilions designed to look like different parts of the world. Okay. So they have France and they have England and et cetera and so forth. And before COVID anyway, they only hired people from those countries to work at those <laughs> booths. So they would <laughs> really like, yeah, no. So you would apply in Norway for like a Disney internship and then you'd work at the Norway pavilion and you could talk to people about your culture and like teach them little words in the language and stuff like that. And at the, at the holiday, they have the personification of Santa from that culture come out and tell a story to the children about 
traditions in that culture. So Père Noël comes out in France and actually talks about the history of the crash um, to to like how St. Francis was the first one to build a nativity, but crashes really took off in France because you could actually put a figure of yourself in it. And then he tells a story about a little girl who wrote on the letter about how she, all she wants for Christmas is is a little crash statue of her. And then Father Christmas in England and the England Pavilion comes out and actually rings the devil's knell, which is you know ringing the bell for one year every every uh, once for every year since Christ was born. So you kind of go place by place. And, and the, hear, the Norwegian one is just like somebody comes and like slaughters some animals. Uh, it's 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 uh, the Yulinesen, the the creepy little twelve gnomes of Christmas. Who? Oh yeah. Oh, yeah. do that. Yeah. Yeah. The Yulinesen are terrifying. We should do a whole episode on them. Oh wait, actually, side. Well, ugh, there's so many side notes that I have. I used to work at a place called Sacred Heart Radio. You would visit me there. We would co-host sometimes in the early mornings. And it was in this creepy abandoned seminary, um, the the office. And they had, do you remember their like festival of nativities that they had? Oh, yeah. Oh, how and could I forget? From around the world. And they had this one from Norway where the nativity itself was being acted out by the Yulinesen, which are the creepy, like, pseudo-evil yeah, yeah. Christmas I do gnomes. remember this. And so there was, like, yeah, an yeah. evil-known baby Jesus and then, like, an evil-known Mary with, like, a beard. And, and <laughs> they were murdering their evil giant parents, which is part of the it's folklore kind of, of kind of what they do. But, like, just insane to me. So, anyway, you can go see them as you walk around Epcot. This is the most ADD conversation we've ever had. Um, you can see them as you walk around Epcot and then at night at Epcot, they've got something called the candlelight processional where something like 140 Disney cast members from around the company. Some of them are Imagineers. Some of them are just, you know, street sweepers in the park and stuff can volunteer to come be part of this choir. And it's an hour of exclusively religious music, oh. um, really powerful while they're all holding candles that blasts, um, the hallelujah chorus at the end. And everyone stands for that. Um, oh, cool. In the middle of this theme park with, you know, the Epcot ball shining behind you. And I think supporting in a capitalistic society, supporting things like that, and even pushing for more of it is great. Sure. If you pull your money yeah. out entirely, that's not going to happen. So, you know, for instance, we, you know, we did a whole episode on parades where I mentioned that the wise men used to be part of the Macy's Thanksgiving Day Parade. Give a bunch of money to Thanksgiving Day Parade. And then say, hey, we really want our wise men back, though. You know, that that's a big part of how we do this is is not pulling out, but a doubling down and a reinvestment in both emotionally and monetarily. Um, sure. I think that's a big part of it. Um, I also think. Yeah. Personally doubling down and reinvesting, getting out there and doing it yourself. You know? Well, I was going to say, like, unsurprisingly, what I'm going to say, what I would say to that is, like, obviously, do it yourself. I mean, like, I uh, I have actually gone carol singing, you know, like, around neighborhoods to, yeah. like, strangers. Um, not very often, just a handful of times, maybe. Um, it is the most amazing thing. It's yeah. so cool. It's absolutely glorious. And, like, you know, you have to recognize that, like, in the contemporary moment, even in like a safe neighborhood, like mostly when you knock on people's doors, they're not going to answer. Like they'll be home, but they're not going to answer. But I have like, a solution to that, which is what I always did when it's I was It's called still breaking and entering, night. Jacob. Back right. up. We right. can't do this on like, no, I'm Santa not going to have a record of you it. saying this. It's fine as long as you go through the chimney. Um, no, we did it at bars back when I was still living in Cincinnati. Oh, legit. Yeah, 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 yeah. Our Christmas That's sweaters, a solid plan. And we went 
there's an area in Cincinnati, kind of the bar district. Most most cities have one. This is called OTR. And we went to every bar in OTR. We would go in and we would sing for people in exchange for drinks. And then we would move on. Um, and, you know, that is legit. Elderly <clears throat> no, Jewish woman that. who asked us for a Hanukkah song. And we sang a Hanukkah song for her. And then she bought us a dozen donuts. And that's and, and you put that right into your heart. Right. That's why you had a cardiac arrest at the beginning of the episode. <laughs> right. And also, you know, we put donut holes in the center of those donuts because life without cheese is like a hole in your heart. So it all comes together. It really it all, all comes, comes it comes full circle, just like you know what else does? A donut. Yeah. So beautiful. But in general, no, I do. I think you're right. Like, let's do more of this stuff. I mean, it's it's weird how few parishes. Protestants do this well. I mean, there are like eight different living nativities at Protestant churches around here. Never. Oh, yeah, a, sure. I've never been to a Catholic church that does one. You know, right. I mean, we could have, I mean, St. Nicholas and Santa are one and the same person. Santa's not based on St. Nicholas. They're the same person. You could go meet St. Nicholas slash Santa at your parish. You could have... You know, we talked about processions. You could have all the parishes get together and have a Christmas parade with both secular and sacred stuff. And you could have every single parish in your city march down Main Street doing big Christmas parade. We could we could rebuild this beach sign that you're talking about. We have the individual shreds and we're just poo-pooing the fact that, oh, I don't like that that one shred is left. So we should just let there be a, a stop cancer sign there. That just really bothers me. Let's let's take this maybe an even better analogy is i think i'll say this i think pop music i think christian pop music is the last glowing ember of the fire of christmas and i think hmm. rather than put it out we should fan that flame as hard as we possibly can till it turns into a raging jesus inferno yet again that's that's what I think we should do. So, <clears throat> in sum, all I want for Christmas <laughs> is both the herald of the new evangelization and of the last judgment. I don't know that you can say that without defining either of those things for our poor <laughs> listeners, but I I, I think will I might do understand. neither. <laughs> I refuse <laughs> under no circumstance. Well, I mean, I will take it. I will take it. I mean, you know, the new evangelization means, you know, so, so the new, ha! the new evangelization for people, well, I'm just defining what most people think it is, you know, JP two comes along and says, Hey guys, we're going to re-evangelize everybody. This Pope St. John Paul II, you know, back in the nineties comes along and says, Hey, we're going to, you know, like re-evangelize everybody guys, you know, like nobody's sort of Christian anymore. We're going to go re-evangelize them and we're going to do so in totally new means. We're not going to use the old, we're, throw, throw away the textbook, man. We're going to just, we're going to evangelize people in a brand new way. And I always think the new evangelization is like actually a really sad thing that people talk about it like it's this, this exciting, promising thing. And, and I always think it's sad because basically what it's saying is, hey guys, remember how we converted the entire world and then we just like misplaced everyone, right? Yeah, we just, we just lost it. We right? just kind of lost how it. We, how we as a religion fundamentally shit the bed and let everybody go. Um, we should probably try to make some movies and get them back or something like that. So that's, that's the new evangelization in a nutshell is, is using new media, I guess, to, to evangelize. But I do think that you're right 
in in your in your jokey sentiment that fanning the flames of Christmas is I think the way we we new evangelize so to speak because we build up that fire again and we rebuild that sign by finding the individual pieces and maybe even create a brand new artwork around that sign that utilizes the hand you know yeah. um I have no idea what you mean by all I want for Christmas is you is heralding the end of days, but I will leave that one to you to explain based on what we're talking about here. That's right. And I think, yeah, that's, I think the critical thing is that, um, I think we have to recognize, I think it's right to recognize that we're at that stage where all that's left is the shred of a hand pointing somewhere, um, and a glimpse of a blue sky, uh, and that, that that's just where we are culturally, you know, that you can't just kind of throw people into, you know, like the month before Christmas and have them tell you at the end, like, okay, so what does Christmas mean? You know, like, it's not going to happen. Um, so recognize that that's where it is. And that like, there is something to grieve there. Um, as you say that like that, but like living in living in a post-Christian world where there's just a kind of like um, shred of a hand pointing to signify that there used to be something here um that's worth experiencing as a loss uh but not resting there and just being angry about it or frustrated or hurt or depressed or whatever um but as you say like f experiencing that actually as a profound call um to uh restore the rest of the sign mm. and i mean like sign in the strong sense you know like uh that these things these physical symbols are signs that point us to the incarnation you know that direct us to jesus christ sure um and that like these are the things that we like really passionately need to um throw our time and our energy into like trying to find ways to embrace you know um well and i'll go and in that like oh, sorry and I and I go like just again like my my point is just always like at the most local level you know just at the most local at the most immediate level where it's things that I can do you know so like learn all of these cool carols sing them with your family like learn all these cool carols and go sing them in bars with your friends like learn all these cool carols and get like and Christmas songs of various kinds you know and like go around neighborhoods where you're not going to get shot uh and like sing them to strangers and like do these kinds of things you know that like actually build um i uh, where or, or do crazier things which you were suggesting too um i uh, that that say um i know i'm not just trying to recreate what was there before like i know what it was pointing to and i want to create a sign that really communicates at this moment to where that to what it points to mm -hmm. you know which is like the actual incarnation um but i'm gonna go a step further and maybe you'll disagree with me on this Yes, let's rebuild the sign, but let's in the present moment recognize that the hand is still a very legitimate part of that sign. It's not like the hand is bad and we've got to rebuild the whole sign. And once we've rebuilt the whole sign, the hand won't be there anymore. Once we re rebuild the sign, the hand will still be there. It will just be contextualized again. I think there's a lot of, what I mean by that is, I think there's a lot of people who feel like, okay, yes, let's rebuild Christmas back to what it once was and forget that it was always this. There was just also sure. more stuff. There's never not yeah. been Christmas pop music. The folk songs we're singing now are the pop music from back then. It's not like good King Wenceslas is necessarily about in any more than the most cursory of ways actual jesus it's about a bohemian king of what got assassinated i mean it has nothing to do with anything right hey he's a saint yeah in the same way all european monarchy are a saint 
Well. <laughs> they're, either, they're either saints or devils. That's all you got. Right, yeah. um, right, politics. But but no, I mean, Christmas pop was always a part of Christmas because as I was saying in the Kitsch episode, that's what the incarnation is all about. It is always the secular and the sacred, the physical and the spiritual, the material and the divine. Always. And so that hand might be all that's left, but we don't need to get rid of it. We don't need to replace it. We need to recontextualize it, sure. But even if we did, even if we made Christmas great again or built back better, uh, there would still be that pop music hand. And that would be good. That would be okay. Yeah, see, and there and there is where I think maybe also Trump of the Last Judgment. Because um oh, God. uh <clears throat> Because something that something that looks kind of like a dim memory of what Jesus used to look like, but doesn't point to Jesus anymore. Let's 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 give a hot take on this. That kind of sounds like the Antichrist. Oh, okay. So, so now you're taking this in a whole different direction. You're I just think, well, I'm, <clears throat> and I'm not going to explore saying, that completely. Are you saying the but, pop music hand? of the sign is the antichrist i'm saying it shares some similarities i'm not saying it is completely but i'm saying it shares some similarities um because like i just do think that there's like uh when we're like using fragments of christian symbols that have lost any relation to christianity beyond like a dim memory or that something used to be there that what we're playing with has actually become kind of dangerous um and it, it's not just that like well if you have if, if it's in the context of the whole sign it wouldn't be that way it's it's a fragment that's the whole point it's just a fragment and so it can't do anything more um and so you know so i guess that's that's just the last thing i'd say is that like um, no, no 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 that can't be the last thing you're gonna say we're gonna go on for another hour because you're 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 throwing a whole new new loop into this i mean i'm proposing that you can actually fan that tiny ember of christmas back to a huge inferno and you're saying no that ember might actually be the anti-fire yeah which i am in fact saying yeah um that like uh that there's no amount of fanning on uh, all I want for Christmas is you on Santa baby on these kinds of things that can ever make them give off any fumes than like burning coal. Um, there's just, there's not, there's not, there's no amount of fanning on that that can make it happen. Um, that that's that uh, don't concentrate your energy on trying to like Christianize those things, uh, because that's a mistake. Uh, that there are beautiful material, even crass and like uh, un unrefined aspects of Christian material of, of Christian material culture, Christmas material culture, songs, pop stuff, etc. That might work, that might be suitable material for that. But like, don't waste your time on things that aren't. So, how do you personally tell the difference besides just taste? Um. I don't know. I mean, definitely some of it's going to be taste, but, um, but I think, uh, uh, it is, it's going to have to be something to do with, with, uh, um, actually discerning the thing, like in, in, I just mean like, when I look at this, do, can I in any way find myself pointed, pointed back to the incarnation or not? Or is it just me totally exteriorly bringing in, like imposing some kind of signification of the incarnation on something that is in fact not at all related to it. Okay, but I think you're being 
I, I, I appreciate what you're saying. And I love you, but I think you're being robotic. I do. I think you're, you're devoid. Devo Bring it. I, 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 we've talked before about being a robot. And I think in this one area, you're being a little bit of a robot because, okay, let's Socratically walk through this. If there were someone out there, and I find it hard to believe in such a person, but if there were someone out there who genuinely liked the song Santa Baby, why would they like it? Let's just imagine that. Why might a person like the song Santa Baby? Um, there is a one of my students uh, is a is a bartender at a at a pop up theme bar in Chicago. That is, the pop up theme bar is Santa Baby. Okay. So. They apparently like it well enough that it's like the whole thing of the bar. Wow. So just to say, people really, people really do. And that's ultimately like, this is no, to no, me. No, no, but play the, um, play the game with me. Don't, don't, don't. No, do no, I'm, no, I'm with you. I say like, this is to me like, um, it's a mystery, like a, like an actual strong, strong mystery, like ring the mystery bell. There isn't a good answer for this because, um, ultimately what, what you're going to come down to is things that don't, that don't have good rational reason. Um, there is no rational reason to like Santa Baby. There just no, isn't. No, but you can a, have you can have emotional a, connections. And that's what with, I was going to say. The only reason you'd like it is because you have a deep emotional connection to it. Why do you have a deep emotional connection to it? Well, because it's an emotionally manipulative pornographic song. <laughs> not because no, and I, I, I don't mean pornographic in the sense of like, oh my gosh, you got like ladies with their thing. No, I'm just saying like it's so manipulative that it is meant to create a simulacrum of a real experience that only has a home in a different kind of context. Um, well, I don't know what home Santa Baby's possibly trying to create other than I'm going to sleep with Santa this Christmas. But if you like that song, again, I'm going to argue that it's because you it's not because you just heard it and it created the the false memory of of a, a positive emotional experience It's because you associate it with a genuinely positive emotional experience attached to Christmas. And again, as I said in the Kitsch episode, I'm a big believer I can't stop burping. I'm, I keep trying to turn away from the microphone. I'm sorry. Um, I'm a big believer in desire leading us back towards God if you fan that flame enough. And if some jaded, you know, no longer Christian person or whatever finds themselves listening to Santa Baby and it brings a tear to their eye because they're remembering when they used to listen to that while putting up Christmas decorations with their mom. And that leads them back to Christmas and Christmas leads them back to Christ. Who am I to quibble with that? Anything that is of Christmas has the fingerprints of Jesus on it. Uh, in, in this level of very remote, a very, very remote, uh, like distant signification where again if you didn't already you know already even in that example there is um it's just a fragment that cannot signify it's just a fragment of meaning that cannot provide its own context that cannot lead anywhere else if in the background of one person's experience there is actually the whole context there is actually the whole thing that it belonged to then maybe it can be enough there can be enough there to point me back um to the god whom i once knew and like that's cool god does what he wants he makes these things happen um but uh but you know you know in a culture that is where there is that is increasingly less the case so you know? I, but i and i can agree with you there i can agree with hey with the previous uh you know context for this thing 
you could retroactively rebuild a sign. I I am also with you on on the on the level that hey, you know, if we let this get so far afield of what the actual original sign was, someone who wasn't introduced to the sign beforehand, if they come along and they see just that disembodied piece of it, the, just the hand, they're not going to be able to put this back together, and that's a problem. I'm I'm with you there. What I'm not with you on is and and maybe we'll have to agree to disagree, but I I don't want to do that just yet because I don't even understand why you're posing this. What, what I'm not with you on is that piece of poster, that, that picture of the hand, because it's devoid of meaning, is therefore bad. Um, yeah, I think the more the more that it exists on its own and is held and is held up as a thing on its own, that it is bad. I get um, meaningless, but why bad? Uh, because meaninglessness, uh, interposed on the place where there used to be meaning is bad. There used to be meaning there. It's not, it's not, it's not, it's not taking a space that where there was nothing. It's not like it's April and we're just going to start singing like Santa baby songs or whatever. Uh, we're just going to invent a kind of like vaguely post-Christian kind of like use of some ex-Christian words in like to celebrate the month of April or some random thing. Like this is positively replacing something that used to be there and used to have meaning um, with something that doesn't. And that's, that's bad, you know? And again, I'm not saying we have to like, um, uh, I don't want to begin by tearing down. I just want to say, like, I have to recognize that that's, that's actually not a good situation to be in. Uh, and so, like, let's build up. And how do you... So really, I mean, well, before I say how do you do that, I mean, really what you're saying is you don't buy that something like Santa Baby or whatever is the hand on that poster. You you really do fully feel that that some of those songs... And again, I think it'd be good for the sake of our perhaps more scrupulous listeners who are listening to this with some kind of, you know, desire to hear a, a rule or a guideline, which if you're listening to this podcast for that, honey, you're, you're, you really shouldn't. You don't, yeah, um, don't, 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 don't do that. But just to throw them a bone, I think we should probably pose some kind of our, at least, you know, a semblance of our personal litmus test for, you know, what, what determines which side of that line it falls into. But... It does sound like you're saying that it's not the piece of the hand, that it is just the fight cancer sign at this point. It, it could be. It could be. And again, when I say bad, I don't I, again like, yeah, thanks for thanks for calling my attention to that. Um, like, I don't I don't mean like, oh, my gosh, like, bless me, Father, for I have sinned today. I listened to Santa Baby six times. I just couldn't stop. You know, like, I mean, maybe that's a problem for other reasons. But like, <laughs> no, I mean, honestly, I don't I don't mean that. I don't mean like bad in some sort of weird I think it's always funny way. that in these podcasts, you know, I have to remind you, the pastor and confessor that the majority of Catholics are huge, scrupulous people who are listening to most Catholic media for o only to get rules. And you're like, what oh, is the right yeah. thing I should do? Yeah, yeah. And you're like, oh, yeah, I should clarify what I'm saying for those people. That's crazy you know, that I have to remind you of that every episode. You know, Dominicans, we try to live pretty far from that stuff. So, uh, <laughs> no, I don't mean like we try to live as close as possible to like pastor stuff, uh, confession stuff, uh, doing all this. But like people will get really annoyed at Dominican spiritual directors because they'll, they'll say things like, yeah, but what should I do? And the answer is like, 
I don't know. I'm not going to tell you. Right. It's Even very, if I did know, I wouldn't tell it's you. It's very, you know, Dominicans um, are very rabbinical in the sense that you just answer yeah. everything with a question and you move exactly. on. Exactly. Yeah. This is, this is how we do. Um, but yeah, no, 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 I don't mean, I don't mean bad in the sense like if you listen to, if you, if you secretly in your heart of hearts, just like absolutely love, um, I don't know, you said a thousand tree, Christmas trees in the mall or something. I guess that's a song. Um, I, I, you know, but fine. Who cares? You know, like whatever. I mean, people can, bad taste is not a sin. It's just bad taste. Um, I, you know, um, no, I mean, I mean bad at this like broader cultural level, like that this is, that this is a, that this is a condition, uh, that is a sign of a poverty. You mean um, unhealthy. And, and, um, well, that's a psychological term for it. Sure. Uh, but I mean, like it's a, I mean, it's, it's like a poverty. It's like a, it's a, it's a human lack. Like it's a sign. There's something here that used to be beautiful uh, and like alive and life giving. And instead there's this kind of like cheap shred of a likeness that can no longer really remind me of the thing. And I, and like, I'm, I want to start by acknowledging that, like, I think that, that this is a, this is a, this is an untenable situation. Um, uh, that's like, that's just not good, you know? Um, so, uh, basically like, believe it or not, one of my premises here is that like, I, as a, I feel like as somebody who is passionate about, um, living the reality of the incarnation, uh, and wanting to accept even it's like weird and culturally unpleasant manifestations, um, I... I don't want to be forced to pretend that I like, you know, Mariah Carey and all of these kinds of things, uh, just to be, to be like chipper and positive about like, well, it's got the word Christmas in it. So I'm going to be positive about it. Sure. You know, like, I'm not going to be, I'm not going to be positive about it. I'm going to be very negative about it. Um, for, I, I think principled reasons, but maybe you disagree, which is fine. Yeah, I guess I just still, and maybe this is the the inner scrupulous person inside of me, I just, I still wonder what do I do with that information? Because for me, if, you know, if there's an unhealthy thing, you know, I use the word unhealthy, I don't kill it, I heal it. If there's an impoverished thing, I don't abort it, I raise it up and, and, and give it you know, the, the necessities that it needs. Right. And, and I think the tendency, a tendency you've already illustrated when you talked about sort of that, that puritanicalism that runs through the heart of Christianity. Sometimes the tendency is to say, okay, if this is tacky or tasteless or bad, I'm just going to destroy it. I am going to kill it. I am going to abort it. And, and if we're saying, okay, Santa baby is, Tasteless to the degree that it is no longer even a hand. It is just a fight cancer sign. What is the response? Is it to tear right. down the fight cancer sign? What What is it? Is it to say, well, we don't play that again, song in our house anymore? You know, what, right. what is it you're proposing here as the Christian right. response to the Santa baby fight cancer sign? Yes, Santa, Santa, the Santa baby fight. Um, and then, and again, like it's always we have to be based in actual reality, which is like uh, you and I and uh, our glorious listeners do not have the, do not actually have it in our power to like turn these things off, to make it so that they don't happen, to make it so that like these, these garbagey Christmas pop stations like don't happen. So uh, like one, don't waste 
too much energy being angry about it. Like, I mean, I can recognize that there is something irrational about like the intensity of the visceral response that I have when I hear this kind of music. Um, I, which is like unhealthy. I should probably let go of it, you know, because like ultimately I can't, I can't change these things, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, and I can just like accept that and there it is. Um, so whatever I, if I'm going to, if I have any action steps and I don't, I just don't see why, um, I just don't see why uh, convictions about reality necessarily have to end in action steps. You know, like convic convictions about reality allow you to see the world better uh, and seeing the world better uh, allows you to live more freely. And along down the line, it may result in uh, a new freedom of action that I have not yet anticipated. But like just coming to a certain conviction about the nature of reality doesn't have to necessarily then mean like, and so I do X. That's the kind of weirdo. Well, like, but we are, but you know, this is a podcast with the arts and we're, and we've often said that just by being a person, you are a viewer of the art and then therefore you are in relationship with the art. And, and once you're in relationship with the art, you have the choice to either participate or not participate. You can, you can turn off yeah. or you can turn on. Right. And this is a point I often make to my clients that, and maybe this is getting us into territory that we shouldn't get into for this podcast, but I, I often make the point to my clients um, that, that Jesus is not reductive. He is additive, right? He's not subtractive. He's additive. So if you're just telling someone, don't do this, right? Right. That, that that's yeah, probably yeah, not right. of God. And I think that if we're saying, hey, this thing is the fight cancer sign, it's no longer even the hand, we owe it to to ourselves as much as anyone to be able to say then, okay, so what do we do with that fight cancer sign? Do we just leave right. it there and resent that it's there and wish it weren't there, but oh, what can you do? Do we rip it down and put up a new sign in its place? Do we try to make something beautiful out of it, like in a new collage somehow? Like what, what do we do with that fight cancer sign that's up there now? Yeah. And I think, you know, I, at, creatively like the, that the that the goal here is actually again we're not actually looking to recreate something that was there and isn't there anymore i think that is actually a mistake like we're not just trying to go back and do something the way that it used to be done but like then these godless heathens like mariah carey came along or whatever i don't know maybe mariah carey is a very nice person i don't know um but uh and then like ruined everything we have to get back how it was before then like no like um find a way and if you're if you know if we want an action step like we want like a like a what's the what's the what's the creative context in which i would say like um allow your energies to kind of like go in this direction and see where it goes i would say like i uh, don't try to recreate something try to actually uh think about the incarnation and create something that makes sense uh that expresses that reality in a powerful way that allows you and the people that whom you know and love to see it better Mm. shoot for that shoot for that get, and like see what that. it looks like i can you get know? behind that and and if for some reason weirdly you know you have a personal insight theological spiritual emotional or otherwise that somehow consecrates eartha kit's santa baby maybe even include that somehow <laughs> maybe even include it and i have to say okay so listen like i'm gonna I, I, I'm gonna i'm gonna wrap up this hot take podcast with uh with a story that i'm gonna admit kind of contradicts everything i've just said but only in a low-key way which is that i do actually have this i uh, incredibly intense emotional attachment to uh or very happy memory of um okay scene 
it's uh it's the priory in dc where like 70 do 70 dominicans live like uh like something like two-thirds of them are in formation so they're like young guys being trained you know and then like the other third or you know guys of varying ages but who have been you know dominicans and mostly priests for a long time um some of them are like important theologians some of them are like people kind of a little bit known and like have a lot of sort of dignity and gravitas about them but then like it's after like after christmas midnight mass then like we all go to this to like this hangout room uh in the in the priory at like one in the morning two in the morning and like uh everyone has like a bunch of beers really quickly uh because they're so happy about the recent lore about the, the birth of the lord but they're also like exhausted and they have a big mess in the mornings so they have to kind of go to bed but they also definitely want to drink some beers um and so like imagine you have like this kind of smallish room with like 70 kind of like screaming dudes who are really happy and have just been through this like two-hour liturgy and now they've been like they've just drunk like a number of beers pretty quickly and they're having a really fun time um and then one of these guys who is like kind of a famous person and and he's like has a lot of dignity and gravitas about him. Uh, starts scream singing. All I want for Christmas is you. <laughs> uh, and then one of the guys who's like an actual professional singer uh, starts doing the Mariah Carey like descant on top of it because he can actually sing oh, like sure, yeah. at the at the high range. Um, and this just like goes on for the whole song. And I have to tell you. It's a profound moment. Yeah. It's a profound moment. This is, if there is any possibility of the recontextualizing of something like that on its own terms, I have to say this memory, this experience I have would be it. That that doesn't undermine everything you've just said in a low key way. That undermines it in a high key way, in a Thor way, I would go as far as to say low key versus Thor. Ha, ha, Thor! Yeah. I, I, I no, I, I think it fully undermines your, your point here because what you're saying, what you're really saying is that in relationship with each other and with Christ, something devoid of meaning can be filled with meaning again. That's that's really what your story is illustrating. In yeah, in this scene, that's what happens. You know, like does that song become filled with meaning? Not really. But did it happen in this scene, in this moment? Yes. And it's important. well, and but to you it does, because you're never gonna be able to hear that song and not go back to that moment. And isn't that true of any song and any hymn and any piece of art? The art only matters at all in so far as the connection it builds with between us and with, with our creator. That's, that's all any art matters at all. So if you had that experience for you and those people, that song is now rich with Christological meaning. And you can't see. I wouldn't go there. No, it's you a, can't it's a, it's there. a beautiful experience of the joy of Christ. That's 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 what I'll say. Same, that's all, that does, the song does not become Christological, uh, but like you can rejoice in the Lord in certain contexts with it. I I don't want a lot for Christmas. There's just one thing I need. I don't. What I don't is care it, about Jacob? the. I don't care about the presents underneath the Christmas tree. Not the presents? No, I I just want. What do you want then? I just want Christ for my own. I want him more than you could ever know. Beautiful. All I want for Christmas is you, Lord <laughs> Jesus. I see what you did. This is, by the way, the classic evangelical song trick. Right. Yeah. All right, my friends. Yeah. <laughs> All right, my friends. I encourage you to go through 
all of your list of your least favorite Christmas pop songs, put the word Jesus in them somewhere, have a profound Christological experience, and go forth and create cool things. This has been Created Things, an art, soul, and mind production with Jacob Flores Popcheck and Father Gabriel Toretta. Production by Kyle Meineke and Jessica Flores. Theme song by Federico Carranza. For more on the podcast and on its hosts, visit artsoulandmind.com. <laughs>